0: Welcome to the DNA show. DNA? Dude, are we doing a science show? No, D is for Dennis. Oh, A is for Andy. And N
1: is for and? Oh man, nerds. Cause oh, yeah. Because we're nerds, dude. Yeah. Well good, then we can talk about comics and movies and
0: pop culture and sports. Sports. Sports and nerds. Yeah, we're going to make that work. All right, let's roll. Heidi-ho. Welcome to the very first live, in-person, Dennis and Andy show. Oh, my God, we are live. Totally live. I can't believe it. Well, we'll find out. This is an
1: experiment.
0: We're we're, going to make this a go. I can feel the pain. I'm pinching myself. (laughs) So we are live. We thought we'd go this route because it seems to be what all the cool kids are doing. So uh, we're going to dive right in with what we always start off with football. (laughs) I had a great week in fantasy football. We are part of the same team. One of our seasons is continuing. Yep. One of our seasons Is it it was over last episode already, but I'll set
1: it up because one of us, Andy, is still in the playoffs. But he didn't he squeaked in the playoffs in eighth spot, but he made it. And as I say, you play the game for a reason. So eighth seed Andy had to play first seed Chad, and Chad always wins. He always managed to squeak out stuff. Well, guess what? Oh, Andy yeah. had the upset of the week,
0: maybe for the year. That is me right there. The Dirty Boys beat the Amish Ninjas. Number eight took down. Number one. Yep. What? Whoa, that was the big, <laughs> big upset.
1: And yeah, we had a, a couple of other good ones. So my wife made it. She snuck past Elisa. Uh, Al- so really sneak the, the the, the I mean, that's,
0: a, that's a good gap,
1: yeah. And it was the fourth and versus fifth seed. Yeah. Scott was third seed and he beat the sixth. And then Matt sec, uh wound up. He was the seventh seed. Wound up beating uh, Doug, our second seed. So yeah, we had a couple of really important uh, uh, upsets
0: uh, this time. So I, I can't believe like number eight, this guy beaten number one. That is phenomenal. So this is next week. Here's what it looks like for next week. The Dirty Boys, that's me. I have to play Dennis's wife, Susie, who already kicked my ass once in the season. You can see the projected point spread. She's got me beat right now. Projected 112 to 98. But Chad had you beat last week too. Chad's point spread from last week, it was 120 to, I believe, 98. Or 121-98. So a bigger spread. So anything's I th- I th- possible. I think I'm gonna lose. I do think
1: I'm gonna lose. And Susie's been already all excited this week, hoping that you're gonna that you're gonna lose.
0: And who's this here? For and this then, reminder.
1: and then we've got uh, Matt and versus Scott. So we that, and Scott's my brother. So you know we've got. Uh, yeah, again, that should be a close one. So we just
0: never know. What's going to happen? Dude, if I win, you, you just need to forewarn her the hell that's going to rain down <laughs> if I win this game. Okay. See, I expect to lose. So so there's no – she like, if she beats me, there's no hell raining down from her. It's well, projected ex- she's going to ex- beat expect me. Expect a phone call from her if she does
1: win because I'll not stop hearing about her all week long. And if I win – Expect a
0: knock at your door. All I'm going to do is hand her the phone. You can call and I'm just going to hand it I say you talk to her. No, no, no. If I win, expect a knock at the door. <laughs> and you might want to tell her not to have a nice shirt on because it could be a pie in the face. I'm oh, just saying. Oh, wow. Hellfire rained will rain down. Yep. Because I took a major ass whooping from her earlier on.
1: So this is why we play the game. <laughs> so that's fantasy. So we'll, we'll update you next week and, and, and see how we're doing. Me – I've been out for a while, so I'm pretty good with that. I get first pick next season. First time that I have ever can say that that's happened. So I'm okay. I'm looking forward to next season. But we still need to talk about it. Even if we both lose, we still have to let everybody know. Oh, yeah. Now on to our football teams.
0: Da-da-da-da-da-da.
1: Yep. The Packers, um, they they did well. They won, was hoping they would. And they are now the number one seed in the <laughs> NFC. Unreal. Yeah, it was Maybe. it's 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 looking good. Notice Packers are in first. They have the tiebreaker over the Saints. Why? Uh, Did they play the Saints? Uh, oh, I already forgot. Uh, yeah. yeah. My mind's up. So yeah, the they, they they have the tiebreaker and then the Rams. And of course, the oh, Washington no name football team is in the fourth seed in the
0: NFL. Look maybe, at uh, maybe next year in the, in the uh, uh, baseball league, the soon-to-be baseball team Cleveland will actually make it somewhere. They could.
1: <laughs> they could. Now we've got Kansas City, and they're obviously the number one seed in all the NFL. So right now it's Kansas City and, and the Steelers. So, yeah, that's looking that's – So looking.
0: Who, who would you predict right now? For the Super Bowl. Oh. I know you're going to say Green Bay because I mm-hmm. a Green Bay fan. Yeah, I I, I, I would. So I'm on the go AFC on,
1: side. On the Har- Are you well, going to go
0: with the Chiefs?
1: I would love to see it be the Chiefs. Really? Yep. I would love to. Packers versus the Chiefs. Why, you may ask? Sure. Well, if my history serves me right, Super Bowl number one was the Green Bay Packers beating the Kansas City Chiefs. I would like a little repeat of history going back that far.
0: I'm going to say the Packers choke and don't make it um, to the big game. Uh, I really don't want the Saints to. I'd like, so the heart in me says out of the top four, I wouldn't mind seeing the Rams. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the Steelers because I think this might be Big Ben's last year. Yeah, it's the other division too. Yeah, I know. Rams versus Steelers. Oh, Rams versus Steelers. So, now I wouldn't
1: have a problem with the Steelers because, you know, we beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. (laughs) It's all about what you've done. Exactly. And and continue to do. If if the Packers for some reason couldn't go, I wouldn't mind seeing the Rams just because – it's been a while. You know, I think we're going back to probably, what, Kurt Wagner? And then back in the Kurt old Warner. days, v- Warner. Wait, Wagner. Warner. And Vince Ferragamo, you know, I was was kind of a fan of his way back in, I mean, this showing my age. But needless to say, I wouldn't mind seeing the Rams as long as it's not the Seahawks. All
0: right. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk about the Cowboys. And with the rest of this. – I'm a Cowboys fan, if you don't know. Love the Cowboys. Um they suck this year. I can say it. Dak got hurt. That was a major blow to the team. I don't know why Ezekiel doesn't know how to handle – hang on to a ball, even though he's doing better. Um, they're you know, still in the hunt. They haven't been officially eliminated. No, because they're the NFL, two games right. because the, 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 head number head, four seed. the NFC East sucks so bad. But let's take a look at the Cowboys' rest of the season. So they beat the Bengals last Sunday, which I had a feeling they would. Oh, San Francisco. Yeah. I don't know. It, it all depends it, on which San Francisco team shows up. And then the Eagles. And with the Eagles finally playing their rookie quarterback, they looked like a totally different team last week. <laughs> so I'm not giving that a win. And then the Giants. I just want them to go out on top. And what I mean is they beat the Giants. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm hoping they can beat the Giants.
1: They have a chance. And just so you know, we what, one of our followers giving a shout out to Michael there. No, Cowboys, he says.
0: And those almost look like Mr. Yuck symbols. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Hey, Michael, I hear you. Who's your team? Who's your team, Michael? Just let us know who your team is. All right, going on to Dennis's team, Green Bay. Let's look at their season. Let's see what the Packers look like. Oh, look, the Panthers win.
1: Well, for you the know Packers. what? It, and it's a it, it 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 should be a win. I'm not going to say that, but you know, I I do want the Packers to win. And,
0: oh, Giants. Michael's a Giants, Giants fan. A Giants fan. <laughs> hey, Michael, sit down. Just sit down, Woo! Michael. You've got nothing to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's go, Giants. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, that's awesome. They'll be home as well.
1: Uh, so. I don't know. I don't know. Everybody in your division is still in the hunt, technically. Everybody so. in my
0: division has one thing in common, and that's watching the Super Bowl from their couches. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All right. So
1: we, we've got the Panthers, which, you know, us living in Charlotte. You always kind of want to root for the Panthers, but I will never root for them against my Packers. It's the only time, really. Um, we got Tennessee. Could be a really good game. And, of course, we finish up with Division Bears. So what what, Bears. what am I going to say other than dub Bears, that's how we're going to finish the season. Three,
0: three games, how many wins do you predict?
1: Uh, I think that they will win at least two of them. So I, I that would put us at uh, 12 and four and um, hopefully that's good enough to stay in in first place.
0: I'll go with that. I think they'll yeah. win too. I think the Cowboys will probably I'll give them one more win. Yeah, uh, I'll just give them one more. I, I, I just can't I can't go uh, beyond that. So yeah. all right. on to enough about football. It's that magical time where we like to talk about what did the boys get at the comic shop this week. New comics came this week. New comics came up. Dennis, you're up first. Tell us what you got, buddy.
1: All right. So this week I wound up uh, – got a couple of good ones um, that aren't usual ones. So I'm kind of excited. Blade Runner uh, 2029. I'm very curious to see um, what they're going to do with it. Michael Green, Mike Johnson. Um, I'm not 100% overly familiar with it. It looks good. I'm a huge Blade Runner fan. I even love the 2099 stuff. So, this is going to be an interesting take. So, it's, it's, and that's a number one, obviously. Yeah, is that, that a mini that series? I, I don't know. Don't yeah. know. It just popped out. So, I immediately grabbed it. I'll have to check it out. I don't recall seeing that shot. Yep. So, the one that I've been super excited for, the Expanse. So, the, Season five just came out on uh, on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. which I have to sit down and find time to watch because I love that show, and um, the comic book. So it's a four issue mini series. Very much looking forward to it. A, a great pickup,
0: really. So really wait, is that? But that doesn't tie in storyline with the show. Right don't now. know. Haven't. Don't know anything about if it's. Uh, So there's never been an expanse comic before this. No, I've not had okay. That's what I meant. So I I, I, I don't know
1: what they're going to do with it. So new storyline? Does it fill in between pieces? So don't know. We're gonna we're gonna find out. So that will definitely be one that I'm gonna talk
0: about. I like the timing of it dropping with the new uh, season, which I've never uh, seen. Yep,
1: Iron Man. So Iron Man's been been pretty fun. So looking forward to. uh, um, seeing Iron Man, New Mutants came out this yeah. week. So, you know, I'm just picking that up. Um,
0: and Wolverine. Oh, Wolverine Black, White, and Blood, number two. Yep. Yep. Looking
1: forward uh, to that one. I thought so, the first one
0: was pretty good. Yep. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm liking where it's going. And then the final one for me this week was X Force, number cool. 15. But of course, it's, yep. uh, it's an X title. So, yeah. Oh good. Well, that's cool. All you right. Got a lot more than I did. That's for sure. Yeah. That seems to be a theme every week. That is with a theme. Us. I don't, I don't get as
0: much. I can't nope. help it. But you got a pretty good, uh, you got a pretty good lineup this week. Oh yeah. I got death metal number six. Uh, I, I like this series written by Scott Snyder, drawn by Greg Capullo. Uh, Greg's one of my favorite pencilers. Uh, it's, it's just a fun, fun series. Number seven. The conclusion is next month. I only thought it was actually six issues, so I, I was kind of, uh, kind of, kind of shocked when I was like, "Oh, there's one more." So that's that's cool. So I got that. Looking forward to reading that. Um, I also got Green Lantern number ten, which is the there's two issues left of season two. By Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp. I really like Liam's artwork. He's doing a lot of his own coloring. He's doing a lot of digital painting on the inside. You can tell the cover is uh, tr- is digi- digitally painted, not the traditional uh, pencil and ink work. So I got that. Looking forward to reading that. Like I said, there's only two issues left after this one. And then, of course, the book I've been with since the first issue of the first miniseries, Savage Dragon 255. It blows my mind to think that I was in my early twenties when this book came out. Wow! <laughs> I know. Well, You're I'm old. <laughs> um, So yes, Savage Dragon Two Fifty Five. That one I have read already, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, Eric is just nonstop with where this book goes. So, and it, you know, it really does for me uh, remind me of the comics I grew up with, with the the way Eric draws, with the in your face Jack Kirby over the top action. And his writing even has that old-school Marvel feel to it. So, you know, I'm with Savage Dragon until Eric drops the pencil on it. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that was our new comics. Now, we had a convention this last week, and uh, Rick and Dave's had it on Sunday, had a great time, picked up some really – I picked up some uh, original art. I picked up a really cool print, picked up some books. Um, and. Um, one of the things that we said we were going to do this is kind of our a Christmas, Christmas special. Show. Yeah. So what we're doing is we each decided to pick one of our favorite comic books that were Christmas themed from sometime in the past and, and kind of go through it and talk about why we liked it. So my pick is going to be was X-Men 143. Oh, so yeah, Kitty Pride. Christmas. One of one of my my favorite books as a kid um and so i pulled mine out to read it but here the cool thing is i wound up at the show right before i left i'm giving a shout out to uh, uh chris hibbs because lo and behold i wound up walking out and he had a 9-8 slab version and i was like that's better than the one that i had at home being one of my favorite comic books i had to just do
0: it and michael and, loves the cover
1: yep Yep, it is. It is still one of my uh, favorite covers. So uh, Terry Austin, uh, he did the cover. Yeah. John Byrd did the inside, and of course Chris Chris Claremont. You guys have heard me talk about it in the past. One of my favorite combos, and and that this just kind of holds true. As Soon as we open it up, the splash page. So the story behind this, it's the the episode is called or the issue is called Demon. Um, Kitty Pride is the newest member of the X-Men at this time. She's on there. Everybody's out doing their things for Christmas. Kitty is by herself. She winds up getting left um, at the X-Mansion by herself. So she thinks she's going to be a, a little bit bored and things like that. They all wind up saying their goodbyes. We get introduced. Well, reintroduced. You know, Wolverine winds up having, you know, He brings his girlfriend, um, Mariko, and everybody does it. And, of course, you know, uh, Nightcrawler bamps in and um, tries to give her a little kiss under the mistletoe, which makes, you know, Logan all angry. And, you know, because back then he was very much a a hothead trying to control his anger. So it's just very interesting seeing – remember how the old – this is like 1980 so how logan was drawn you know back in the uh in the early days versus the new ones oh this is a great shot this one right Right here this is kind of the start of the story where it's kind of a flashback dealing with um storm and you get introduced to the nagari and um they always remind me very much of like From alien,
0: aliens, um, you know, just the way they're designed. It's it's, a rip. Yeah, as soon as I saw them back when I was a kid, I was like, what, you said 1980? Yeah. Yeah, so I I think when I got the book, it was a back issue, so I was like 12 or something, and I just remember looking at them going, that's alien. Are they doing something with that? With aliens? Yep. What's
1: going on? Well, Storm is, you know, everybody knows she's, you know, claustrophobic and she winds up having to fight him. And eventually she flies and goes back and she winds up defeating him, but she thinks it's all over. You know, Professor X does his tele- telepathy, realizes, yep, everything's good. And years later, um, uh, they, he winds up reemerged, you know, several years later and he winds up coming back to haunt. This is an important panel because this is the first appearance of Lee Forrester because Cyclops has left the team after the death of Jean Gray. And, you know, he's going to go up out sailing and stuff like that. So this is when he meets uh, uh, Lee Forrester. So it was just kind of an important panel because Scott's kind of off by himself. No, this is
0: the panel. That is the one that you just look at and you go aliens, which look, everything's derived from something. it's, it's it's enough of a change that, you know, it's still creepy cool. Byrne's great at drawing monsters. I mean, this was John Byrne in his heyday. Right. You know, that splash page of Storm was awesome. This is fantastic. Th-
1: this is absolutely great. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm going to throw a little uh, uh, nerd trivia out at you guys. I don't know if I want to call it trivia. But the way it's drawn, you know, when, when you see his legs, how they're backwards like that. That type reminds me very much of um, they actually have it, there's a movie with Charlie Sheen called the um dear, Charlie the, Sheen. Yeah, the arrival. Um not 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 the current one. Oh, I'm suddenly drawing a blank. It it's old it was like one 80s? of his early, yeah it's oh, one 80s. of his early movies but the yeah. the creatures in there had their legs designed um going back in there and that exactly what that reminds me of because it was so neat seeing it on tv just like that so anyway that's what that kind of uh harkens to so he's coming back he knows where storm was he sensed her and the creature is coming back and he's incredibly powerful And Kitty's by herself. She was just working out in the danger room with everybody else gone. And he tears through everything coming after her. It's great. You know, they've got reinforced concrete walls, steel structures and everything like that. And he is literally able to chase her all the way through the X mansion, you know, smashing, uh, smashing through everything. Again, you can see his inverted legs right there with his kneecaps and how it is. It's just, incredibly incredibly well drawn and you just get the sense of of how everything else goes and then to its you know final climactic ending you know she realizes fire was the only thing that wound up uh, doing it so at the very beginning it was all about her at Christmas even though it was time she was having to learn how to start up the X-Jet, and it was kind of tedious, and yes, we're going to go over it. Well, lo and behold, even in a moment of panic, what does she have to do? It's like Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. you know. Oh, where oh that's a reference. It sure is, and some of you might get that. <laughs> oh, Whereas every episode of Electra and Dinah Girl, whatever Frank introduced at the beginning where she go beep, 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 that was the new addition to their powers that would save the day. Well, Kitty had to learn how to start up the X-Jet, and lo and behold, she had to do it under power. And what an absolutely great sequence that they wound up doing here. You know, the the X-Jet's locked into place. He's coming up behind her. She starts it up, flares it to life. The Jets come out, burns him to a crisp, at least she thinks so. And that is a great final shot right down there of the claw coming out of the fire. No, and you look at the horror on her face. I
0: mean, it was just incredibly well done. Did they do yeah. something like that in Aliens, though, with the, the blast from a uh, uh, engine or something to one of the aliens? I thought or sure in you Aliens. You... Alien, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Chris, we yeah. Doing?
1: I don't know. Well, you know. You Wait, know. which came out first, Alien? Came out first, and then this would have oh. came out, and then
0: Aliens. So we know what Chris was, or not Chris, but what that Ridley Scott was doing it with Ridley Scott, I think. Yep. Yep. So looking at the comic. That was, it is just one of my favorite
1: stories. It has nothing, it's this one shot standalone, basically. You know, story that had nothing else to do with a lot of the other X-Men stuff. But it was a really good Christmas story. When the the X-Men get back in there, they realize something's wrong. But there's Kitty bundled in front of the fire with the Christmas tree right there. It's just a great ending. And she goes, yeah, the X-Mansion's a little destroyed. Probably destroyed the X-Jet. Sorry about that. But I stopped (laughs) the monster. And they're like, and Aurora goes, that's that's actually pretty awesome so it was a great story always been a classic favorite of mine
0: all right well i've got two books that i enjoy that are uh uh, christmas theme uh related the first one is this dc comics presents where it's superman and santa claus superman no way the perfect team up superman and santa claus you know I didn't get this book right when it came out. I got it came out in 1983. I picked it up probably in the late 80s, just because big Superman fan. And uh, I've all you know the art is by Kurt Swan. I've always loved Kurt Swan's work. It's inked by Murphy Anderson. Kurt and Murphy have worked a lot together, or worked a lot together. Um, there's a very distinctive look that they had when they worked together. Uh, the basic story is on the very first page of the book, Superman is, uh, flying down. It's a splash page. He's flying down and there's, uh, a kid holding up Santa Claus with the toy gun. He's like, give me all your money. <laughs> and Superman's like, Whoa, junior. So it comes to be that the kids under a trance because the toy is from toy man. Oh, so no. and they find this out because Superman takes him back to his fortress of solitude and This goes back when fortress of solitude had that huge key Remember the big gold key that only Superman yep. can lift. Yep, and you know, Superman wraps the boy up in his cape Because that cape can you know, it's impenetrable. It's it's yeah. it's you know, it's everything it keeps So him warm. keeps him nice and yep. keeps the boy warm So he takes him back to his fortress and he finds out from the boy through reverse hypnosis that uh, it's all the Toy Man. So they fly away to to go to the Toy Man's factory, but as soon as they leave the fortress, the little toy that the boy's still holding as he's wrapped up in Superman's cape, shoots a laser at Superman, and it it just drops him like a rock to the snow down below. The boy's freaking out, and next thing you know, you hear something from off panel, and it's these elves. You're like, what? So they pick up Superman, they lug him back, and then you see this great splash page of Superman waking up in the foreground. He's like, what the? And it's Saint Nick. What's good old? Mr. Saint- Claus himself? Santa Claus himself. Superman's like, wait a second. I've been here. My fortress has been here forever. How would I not know about this? And Santa Claus is like, that's just the old Santa magic there, Supes. That's the way it is. You don't, I don't want you to see it. You don't see it. So long story short, they they teaming up with Santa in his sleigh and his eight magic reindeer end up going to the toy man's factory. And there's a fight that breaks out with Superman and the toys, and Santa doesn't want to be seen, so he sends in with his elves some of the toys they made up at the workshop, and the toys battle it out, and uh, you know Superman saves the day. But the twist at the end is. <clears throat> Once everything's said and done, Superman basically uh, goes, he he passes out for some reason, and I, I can't remember why now. Is it actually. because it's the North Pole? No, he at the toy shop. Oh, okay. He, he passes out basically, not the toy shop, but at Toy Man's Place. He passes out, and when he wakes up, he's back in the snow with the boy. And Superman's like, man, I had this weird dream. Wow. Well, I better get you home, Timmy, or whatever his name is. So he flies him home, drops him off. Then Superman goes back to his apartment. And he's like, well, I better get my clothes out of the secret pocket inside my cape. And I love how he can fit a full suit inside (laughs) that secret pocket inside his cape. So he reaches in, and he's like, what is this? Oh, my God. it's It's this holographic projector that I had as a child on Krypton. But this was destroyed that's weird and then he turns it on and there's Santa Claus with the sign that says Merry Christmas Superman oh, oh awesome oh. awesome ending. so that's one another one of my favorite stories is in one of the collections DC did called Christmas with the superheroes this is issue two this came out 30 some years ago I think it was uh, early early 2000s or not 2000s early 90s maybe um, basically the the gist of this story is actually let me see when did this thing come out 1989 31 years ago and what I really love about this story is there's one story inside of it because it's a it's, it's a bunch of different stories and there's one story inside of it it's drawn written and drawn by John Byrne starring enemy Ace. And inked by Andy Kubert. Enemy Ace. Woohoo! Enemy Ace. Love it. It's a silent story. Um it's Enemy Ace is basically delivering some he's he's almost like Santa Claus. He's basically delivering some supplies and stuff to a, a medical center outfit whatever. And I I love it from the art standpoint because I love John Byrne. I love Enemy Ace. I love Joe Kubert's work. Joe Kubert is known for NMEA's, so John wanted to do an NMEA story, and he was able to get Andy Kubert, Joe's son, to ink it. And this is when Andy was really doing his work, really looked a lot like his dad's. And you just look at this stuff, and it looks so much like Joe Kubert. I mean, you can tell it's John Byrne, but I mean, things like this, you know, the face in uh, that last panel just just reek of like Hubert burn goodness. Um, so that's just one of the things I always, I love looking back at this issue. I love seeing uh, the artwork and stuff. It's a, it's a great story. It, it, like I said, it's a nice little silent one. There's some other nice stories in the book as well, but this is obviously my favorite. I mean, you've got a great shot of NMEA's. It just, it, it has, just little, when you it's see it's that triplane flying up like that, right. you see going the up. plane flying and everything. I mean, it's just a it's just a home run. So that's those are those are two of my favorite Christmas comics. Michael commented is one Lobo. You know, I remember the Lobo uh, Christmas. I don't was it a stand Michael was that a standalone Christmas special with Lobo? I'm pretty sure it was, and he definitely didn't treat Santa. Santa Claus properly, because, you know, it's logo. (laughs) Um, I do have that one, but it doesn't fall into the category of favorite.
1: Yeah. So that was our comic. So it was our Christmas comic that we kind of enjoyed. So, uh, yeah. Uh, He goes, yepers. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one. See? Yep. So part two is um, we, we also had to pick our favorite one of our a Christmas movie to talk about well there's certain ones like we kicked off our year this year with die hard however I'm like everybody tends to watch die hard um, you know a Christmas story it's a wonderful life traditions that we've always had um, this was one that I decided to take a chance on It was recommended by my niece and nephew. Oh, wait, so this is the first time you've seen this? It was. I've never even heard of this movie before. Neither had I, but my niece and nephew said, Uncle Dennis, you need to kind of watch this. Why are they watching movies from the 80s? Well, this isn't from the 80s. It's it's retro to make it look like the 80s. So this winds up being a very interesting um, um, story. Um, It winds up being from it's... It's from the the writer's standpoint of, um, uh, it's his childhood. So basically, a writer looks back on his memorable 1986 Christmas, dealing with brothers, the bullies, the first love, pregnancy, pregnancy, and the family Elvin. Yes, mother is pregnant with another child. And then they have a family thing that they call Elving that they do. And that winds up being pretty interesting because um, um, the the story starts off. It's very scenic. It's very beautiful. Um, You go out Mm. there, you can kind of see what
0: that's their house. So I mean, it's that's a movie. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Look at what that's like the perfect picturesque setting in like Colorado.
1: It's like if it was my house, I would be sitting there all day just waiting for it to crest, like when I was just out, you know, at. uh, Grand Canyon, just waiting for that perfect time to try and get some pictures of it. So, anyway, this is their house. They do elving. So, this is what's pretty interesting. They You're saying elving, right? elving. Elving. E L V I N G. What the hell? Is like that? an L. Yeah, you I get multiply. Uh, So, this is what you find out. So, this is obviously just looking at it. They're set, it, in, it's in, definitely in the 80s. And the family picks one family from somewhere in the community and they want to do something to help that particular family. Now that's, you know, those are the four brothers right there. And of course, mom is pregnant with, 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 with another one right now. Um, The kids wind up picking the, the kid on the right is the bully. This, and this winds up being the family that they decide to elf because something's happened and they're, they're kind of by themselves. So the kid's always beating them up, you know. Taking his money, pushing him away, he winds up stealing a sled and everything this like is that.
0: Crack. Uh, That's no. the 80s. it, it is it's
1: not a druggy. It is. Well, it's, it was different types of drugs back then, and uh, so it winds up being, you know, like he winds up making. The, this is one of these really cool things that we all did in school.
0: I don't know what you did. So what the hell is
1: that? That is. Well, I'll, I'll show you. You. That was, and what we all had to do in school was you've had an egg and you had to devise some kind of a plan to protect the egg and you take it to the top of oh, the school yeah, yeah, and yeah. drop it. Yeah. That's what this is. So he wound up making it. And then the uh, other kid goes, hey, that's mine. He goes, no, that's not. And he wound up taking it. So needless to say, you got, wound up seeing some of the reactions which, which wind Aww. up happening. Everybody's dropping their eggs. Oh, and lo and behold, he stole it from the other kid, and his was the only survivor. So, of course, he cheated and then went through
0: it. He shouldn't get anything for Christmas except in stocking.
1: Right. He's a he's not a good kid, so you're just assuming he's a bully, but you don't know why, or maybe he's just an earring. So this story, the way it's told, is very much like a Christmas story where it's from – His perspective. Is there a lot of that voiceover
0: narration? There is some, yes.
1: It it really harkens to an 80 versions of a Christmas story. This is the part that winds up being very funny. The kids are raising a chicken, all right? (gasps) And their Christmas dinner comes out, and they're like, oh, look at this. It is so incredibly well prepared. I mean, look at that. It looks great. Well, and one of of the boys asks, (laughs) he goes, wait a minute, where's our chicken? The name escapes me. And there he's like, well, and this perfect bird, they're like, we are not eating the chicken. No way. You've seen him throughout the movie. I can't remember. Is one of these kids the bully? No. These are all the brothers. Those
0: are all the brothers.
1: Oh, my God. And they're like, no. And he goes, but you know, when this, the, the dad even the mom didn't know she was cooking it cause it was already plucked and everything like this. Yes. That winds up being their bird. Oh my the dad God. kept trying to reach in and grab a piece and the boys kept slapping his hand. They're like, no, no. And it's so sad. It's kind of like the scene from a Christmas story where the dog gets in there, winds up ripping out, you know, takes out the Turkey and eats it and oh, everybody's right. all upset and they wind up going out. Needless to say, it's funny. This is one of the funniest parts of the movie. The very next scene, the boys are out and the family out there. They wind up sticking the entire plate, turkey, or the chicken, just as Everything. it is, into the hole to bury it. Oh, my
0: God. <laughs> oh, my God. It was great. What um, I was going to ask is uh, what what can that be seen on? What did you watch it on? That's uh, Netflix. That oh, one it is, is on, it on is on Netflix. Netflix. Right. So a lot of right. you
1: have Netflix. So absolutely, don't. This is a cute movie. Um, it, it's worth a watch if you've never seen it. I don't know if I quite put it with Christmas Story because that's one we watched every year. Right. You know, but this definitely has some really good moments. The elfing stuff at the end. There's a girl that winds up who get her license that has to drive the boys. She's the oldest of the kids in the neighborhood. It's got, there's the girl that moves in next door that he wants to talk to. It's got a lot of cute, memorable stuff. It was a great family movie. So that is my obscure pick for, you know, this year. because It's a few years old. Yep. I, I recommend watching it, especially if you want something
0: to do with the family. Um. Yeah, I mean, if it, it's on Netflix, I might have to check it out. I know for me, and before I get to my Christmas one, I, I think holiday, and my all-time favorite holiday, which I just thought of so we don't have a screen thing of it, is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, Because you yes. can't go wrong with Steve Martin and John nope. Candy in that
1: nope. movie. Nope, so,
0: great that, movie, great movie. So many to choose from. And it's more of a Thanksgiving one, but still, I love it. But my favorite, or I should say our family's favorite, we try to watch it uh, every year around this time, probably be this weekend, is, you'll know the classic when you see it. Well, that's right. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Chevy Chase. Clark Griswold Clark, does it again. I love this movie. movie. He is just, Chevy Chase, I don't know why I want to say he's underrated. But I just, even back then, I think he was underrated, even though he was in how many National Lampoons, and Fletch. Oh, Fletch. And Caddyshack. I mean, his heyday was was definitely the 80s, but it still just seems like he's underrated. Um, I don't need to explain National Lampoon's vacation to you because it's just, it's a Christmas classic. You know, if you haven't seen it, you need to go out and get it. It's the Griswold Christmas. Everything, you know, it has all the typical tropes of, all the lights on the outside of the house, the family that shows up, um, you know, has a nice meaning to it. Well, we, we've we got a, a relative of ours that has a very lit
1: up house. Do you and, right? Yes, and we do. And I swear there's more lights that wind up getting added many of the years. So we always make the, wow, it's the Griswold house. You just want to walk up there, take the two plugs and. Hey, nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, ch- sure. Ah, and the lights go up and planes can land because there's so much light coming down. But I mean, that is just seriously one of the classic, uh, classic movies. Clark getting those great white shoes because how much he admired them.
0: That's right. <laughs> I mean, Randy, Cousin Eddie. Re- Randy Quaid in that movie. Yeah. It's just fantastic. Yes. The whole cast is. It is. So that's mine. Yeah. Um, we actually each had homework last week that we assigned to each other. Uh, My homework was to read uh, one of the books that I got last week that came out and uh, tell Dennis why he should should get it. So you got a sales pitch? I got a sales pitch. It's the book that came out last week was Dark Multiverse. It's the one-shot flashpoint. It's written by Brian Hitch, drawn by Brian Hitch, inked by Andrew Curry and Scott Hanna. I believe Alex Sinclair's on the colors and um, I got it because I liked all the original Flashpoint stuff when it came out a few years back and From an art standpoint. I love Brian Hitch's work So I read it and it's basically a what if and it starts off if you read the first flashpoint the whole deal was uh, reverse flat reverse flash basically screwed up the timeline and Uh, Barry Allen wakes up in this Flashpoint world where his mom is still alive. He doesn't have any of his powers, but he has all these memories from, you know, the original world he's from. So, you know, remember Superman and and Green Lantern and, and Bruce Wayne as Batman, all that. Well, he basically tracks down Batman in the Flashpoint world, finds out it's Thomas Wayne, because in this world, Bruce and his mom were killed. And Thomas or no Bruce was killed not the mother and Thomas is the one that becomes Batman to avenge his son's death Flash talks Bruce into he convinces him. Look, I'm a flash. I just have to recreate this accident So they recreate the accident. This all happened in flashpoint however in flashpoint it worked and he became the flash and throughout that story He was able to fix things with the help of Bruce and some other heroes and this one shot, which I like, it's basically a what if. It's what if Barry didn't survive? And he doesn't. He gets basically, <laughs> I love it. He basically gets fried. You can see him in the background there uh, behind the reverse flash. So it did not work. And Thawne shows up. And he basically tells Bruce, hey man, yeah, I caused all this. And now uh, I can change any realities I want, I can do anything to the timeline. And the the point of the book is Thawne wants to take over the United States and he wants to, he basically wants to, he makes a deal with the president to say, I'll take care of the Atlanteans and the Amazons. And for that, you can be the president, but basically I'm going to be your little puppet master and, and rule the place. So... That's that's the setup for it. I don't want to ruin the story of how it ends. It did have a surprise ending. I thought I wasn't because I knew how the original Flashpoint ended, and that's what in this story Thomas wanted to do. Thomas' sole purpose was to get Thawne to kind of do the right thing and put the world back, so Bruce would be alive, and he wouldn't. So this is a one-shot? Yeah, it's a one-shot, 48 pages. Like I said, if you know what Flashpoint is... I do,
1: and it kind of sounds interesting. Now I kind of want to pick it
0: up. It's really good, you know. If the story wasn't good, I'd still be like, ah, this art's fantastic. I can get past the story. But I thought the story was really good, too. Um, We do this thing on a CGC scale where we grade uh, stories going by the CGC uh, comic book rating system. So for me, I'll probably give this, I give it an 8.5 out of okay. 10. I thought it was a strong story. Like I said, I didn't, you know, I thought I knew where it was going and with what Thawne wanted to do. And, you know, they introduced, and this isn't a spoiler because this, this was in Flashpoint, they introduce Superman, kind of like they did in their original Flashpoint, and he has a bigger role to play. But then there's this shocking twist with Thomas Wayne and Superman, and I, no, no more, no spoilers. Okay, it's a, it's a really good one shot. Uh, like oh, I said, you, I'll pick it up it, next it, week. It I think would, you talked. It into would It would help if you read
1: Flashpoint first. So if you've read Flashpoint, this is a really good one to pick up. Yeah,
0: and not like, not even all the Flashpoint tie-ins. Just the original miniseries yep. by uh, Andy Kubert and Jeff Johns. Oh, yeah, very cool. Yeah, so that's I did my homework. And uh, I think it's I think it's something you should definitely read. All right, well you convince me. Now it's your turn. My homework was
1: I had to read issue number one of Sword. So this was quite interesting. I didn't know what what was going to become of it, and um, I'm going to say when I started with it, I, I opened it up and the uh, very first page is that and i sat there and went oh so if you the the one thing with sword is that you kind of had to at least have a working knowledge of the x universe right along with what was kind of going on maybe in outer space and a little bit of dealing with what happened with alpha flight so they're trying to bring you up to speed because, you know, that is the peak. That is what's up there right now. Um, only they've integrated the X-Men, basically. Krakoa has taken over. Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to say. It the looks, base. It looks like it.
1: And they integrated Krakoan technology uh, into it. So you basically have biotechnology that is incorporated um, in with regular technology to create this. Um, as, as we go on, work, work our way through it, you find out Magneto winds up coming up to, uh, to the station. And you can immediately tell there's a bit of a hierarchy. Because in Krakoa, there's the five, or all these mutants, these five mutants come together to help resurrect people. Well, up here, they have something that's called the six. And, again, they're talking about how mutants have the ability to put their powers together, and they hearken back to one of the earliest forms of it,
0: the fastball special. Oh, yeah. And
1: for all of us classic they headsmen,
0: hark- they're, they're literally talking about Colossus throwing Wolverine yes, as, the, as the very special. as the
1: very first time that two mutants put their powers together to do something that they couldn't do on their own, they actually call out the fastball special. Now that's on a very small scale, but we all knew right. when Colossus threw them, it was really cool. Most of the times that it happened, unless you threw it at Magneto. Um, this winds up being very interesting because they've got the six that are gonna run the station. And there's quite a few mutants that are up there and they have these other abilities. You know, Fabian Cortez is in there and he go, Oh, Magneto, my Lord. And he's bowing oh, right. down and Magneto, won't even give him the time of the day, even though he's one of the six. And he doesn't understand it. And then he winds up finding peepers. The old mutant with the big eyes. And oh, he's sad. like, oh, here's basically my cell phone. Momber. you can come talk to me anytime. And Fabian's all upset because he won't give him the time of day. And he was the one from back in the, uh, I would say, late 80s, early 90s, when he was the one that was feeding Magneto all the power and stuff like that to soup him up and stuff. So what's interesting is, so Abigail Brandt is the head of S.W.O.R.D., Mm -hmm. which now kind of has to have all these other issues and stuff like that dealt with. You keep looking at everything as small, nation building, and nation versus nation. What I've seen is I have to worry about what's out in the cosmos, the solar system, the universe, and the threats that are coming in. They didn't do very well uh, under Alpha Flight because it was all dark ops money, just like S.H.I.E.L.D. was. Well, now this is completely different, and she's been given reins um, to move forward on this. They have all these teleporters um, that are in the the X-Men, and basically they have ways with all these mutants combining their powers. So... Al Ewing um, winds up doing this and remember how I've talked about Hickman doing world building, right? He's doing this to the nth degree, dealing with the Cosmos stuff right now. There's so much going on in so much history. It is so incredibly powerful with what they're dealing with. You see them going through that portal on the picture that was up and they're like, we are now moving forward to the outer, outside of the universe and mysterium um, tremendum. You know, that's the big word that's up there and there's four different categories. They're basically, you're trying to interpret what's going on, they're actually working their way to the edge of the universe. They've now teleported. So they're, start, they're talking about the Cree and the Shi'ar empire and what they're doing is something that's going through leaps and bounds right now. Beyond that, in um, that that you know that's kind of Latin for you know tremendous mystery, which what's what's going on, and they're trying to figure out what what's on the edge of the universe, another universe. Oh, um, they they know that Galactus has been been killed off. Um, they 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 hearken that which was back, I believe, in Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, that recently happened. Um, so they start going through and realizing that there's all of these different things going on in the universe. Kirby was the original. He really was the one who brought forward the Cosmos stuff. Right. You know, you've got the introduction of Galactus. Um, um, but yet I would say it was um, Jim Starlin who really... Brought forward and fleshed out the entire universe in its in its heyday. Don't know if you disagree with that, but we're now, not talking Galactus and Surfer, but right. the in betweener, you know, uh,
0: oh, the Starling, larger Chaos, and I think when I think of the cosmic stuff at Marvel, I really think more Starlin than I do Kirby. Yeah, he I mean the, Kirby, he, he Kirby introduced, introduced it. it, but I think Starlin came in and just really expanded it a lot more and just took it to a whole nother level you know so i mean it sounds it sounds really cool so this in and so this
1: is the start of it going through forward on it so they're bringing the x men into the ability for cosmic protectors and cosmic exploration where you see them walking through this gateway it's very reminiscent to me of stargate something like that right um yeah so it's very interesting to me um yeah i'll just kind of we'll show you guys so this is what it'll be continuing in on but they walk through like stargate and they're going to be exploring the universe and seeing what's out there and there's all of this other stuff or maybe what's near the end of the universe I can't give it justice because there's so much going on um, and you do have to have a working knowledge, but it's so incredibly impressive. The sheer amount of story that he's bringing forward, the world or universe building, how he's tying in all the cosmos stuff. There's been a lot of incredible thought and everything given to this. This story has the potential to be some of the most, some of the most this interesting is, stuff I've seen. This is, This is huge. This is not what I was expecting. This is far bigger and far grander than I was ever anticipating coming up out of this number one issue.
0: So This is going right? Yes. Right?
1: Yes. uh, I am going to recommend that everybody pick up this issue because if you're an X-Men fan or you're interested in the Cosmos stuff, because I've got a feeling this is going to be tying in dramatically with everything that's transpiring out there with galactus with um like i said you now have the kree and the scrolls that are together um and then you've got the Shi'ar empire who we find out in here they are not so the kree and the scrolls are together and they mention the fact that basically the mother-in-law is the scarlet witch because hawkling right. is the leader of them and Magneto wants nothing to do with them. And he goes, well, that could kind of hurt you in the long run. So very interesting um, premise. This could be the start of some of the biggest stuff we've ever seen in the cosmic world of Marvel. And this is the gateway leading into all of this. So not just you. I recommend everybody need to
0: go pick this up. If you have any interest in the cosmic stuff, I do. I love the cosmic stuff. I just was never that interested in sword when it was, remember when it was first out a few years back as a right. mini, that was a mini series, wasn't it? Or well, was that just a short lived going?
1: Right. But, but sword from what it was is
0: nothing like what this right. is going that's to what be. I, that's, and see, I didn't get that. So I'll give this a shot. You know, I'll, I'll give this one a shot. I just can't, I saw that list of after this, you should read this. And a couple of the books came out this week, they say, to read. And then next week, there's like three of them and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I want to get into all that stuff, you know? Um, yeah. So I'm just thinking, I, I'll get the first issue. You, you, and wh- one is because I really like the guy that drew it. Yeah. And I do like Ewing's writing. And it, the guy that drew it is uh, Valerito, Valerio Skiddy, I believe, the dying yeah. guy. So yeah, I'll get it because I do like his artwork a lot. I didn't pick it up last week because, look, if you know me, I'm a frugal type of guy. Some might even say I'm a cheapskate. You could throw that at me. I'm not saying it wouldn't stick. It might stick and slowly slide off. I don't know. But it was a high, It was like 5 bucks, I think. It was higher than just the regular $3.99, I believe.
1: And I yep. got, you know,
0: I have a limit every week, people. And last week, I kind of got it. So I said, you know what? What I do sometimes is I, I wait for slow weeks. So I might just wait for a slow week. So we'll see. Um, You know, we'll we'll just have to play. I'll just have to play that one by next week at the shop. I think I'll get it as a Christmas gift to myself. And, uh, you know, if it's good, I'll try number two. Hopefully I can follow it without getting all the other stuff uh, because that that would be nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that is it for our first live show next week before Christmas. We'll be doing it again. Um, stay tuned to our Facebook page because obviously a week from today's Christmas Eve, we will not be doing it on Christmas Eve, so it will be earlier in the week, and um, yeah. we'll review two episodes of the Mandalorian. Yep,
1: yeah, we'll have two episodes of the Mandalorian. Well, one left, right?
0: Yep. Yep. There's only Hit, one left. Well, that'll
1: be the last two. Yeah. And then so we'll, we'll end it with the the final Mandalorians. That's and right. See how it cliffhangers us or not, um, and then. Uh, we were just asked about a Christmas movie, The Ref, Have they, Dennis Leary. It's apparently a really good Christmas oh, movie. Oh, I, ha- I have
0: not seen it. You've never seen that never movie? Never seen it.
1: So Dude. obviously that's one that I'm going to
0: add to my list. Thank you very much for uh, pointing that out. You got to see that. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week. Until then, bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Until next week, grab your 3D glasses, Get your favorite comic books, roll them up, and put them in your back pocket the way you should treat comics.
1: Throw your pigskin up on the mantle. This is Dennis.
0: This is Andy. Later, Later, friends. friends.